Hey everybody, welcome back to the Freecast. I'm your host, Matthew Weber. I'm joined by Vincent Hoy. How are you doing, Vince? I'm, well, ready and waiting for a vaccination shot. Yes. Um, we seem to be getting there here sometimes. It, like In the United States, we're having the whole vaccine hesitancy thing. Like It's like, we've got a whole year where we've been in this you know, pandemic and we've been shut in the house and everybody's like, you know what? Give me the choice between getting a couple shots or being stuck in the house for the rest of our lives. I think we'll get stuck in the house for the rest of our lives. That sounds like a good plan. <sighs> People are so stupid here. But and then in Canada, you're telling me that uh, you guys have uh, – you get your first shot and you have to wait like months for the second one, right? Yep. Yep. Even though the government keeps on saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it'll be coming. Nah, man. Like, dude, we were supposed to get shots in March and uh, um, I think we're in May now. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. We're going to be, uh, I, this is going to be sad to say, but I think we're going to be, worldwide at least, this thing is going to go on for another year. Well, I mean, I think it will go on for a long, for longer than what people anticipate, but I'm not sure if it's going to be because of just the current strain. I think that it's going to be like the fifth and sixth wave where, like, I mean, America, you guys have a bunch of people that are like, yo, we don't, we don't have to wear masks anymore, yay! And it's like, yo, th- the part of that discussion was that you had to get vaccinated, but nope. It's gonna and then, and of course it's like opening the like Italy and everywhere else in the world is like opening their doors up for like tourism and stuff. So I think they're all so eager to get started again that inevitably it's gonna be another contraction and another wave. So I mean, so I mean that's kind of our topic for today. We're just gonna BS about COVID quite a bit, but um. Well, I was gonna say that today's episode we're gonna be dealing with not the the issue of getting vaccinated or just uh you know we've talked in the past about how we are accommodating COVID and how we're working uh, from home. But my my question is that now that we've signaled after the Biden's first 100 days and he's issued 200 uh, vaccination 200 million vaccination shots in his first 100 days, which is quite an incredible feat. Um, he's also in his last uh, speech. Uh, talked about the fact that yeah you don't have to wear masks um, you know outdoors and uh, there's, there's, there's certain res- restrictions are coming down right and I would like to this this brought about the question of well can we now uh, you and I both deal with a lot of computers and our work right you explicitly deal with computers and work but I deal with like a lot of stuff like teaching and in-person stuff which I think is going to dramatically change or dramatically change when the pandemic happens so the question is you know, when we resume to the new, new normal or the post-pandemic normal, what will that really mean? And and I think that to me, as as an architecture prof, obviously, there's a huge implication. Like, we hear the discussion of like, well, is commuting going to happen anymore? Or is it going to be like, are we going to move to this new paradigm of like four-day work or you know, four-day work weeks or three-day work weeks where two of the days you can work from home? Uh, there, There's huge discussions on like, you know, what is casual or semi-formal attire now going to be um you know are we going to probably uh, is this now going to liberate the office space from the downtown cores and become now more uh you know residential space so that we've now solved the human the, the the kind of housing crisis and stuff so there's all these questions about the post-pandemic that i thought would just be interesting to get from you and i because we deal with the tech side of things and just to hear things so I, from my standpoint the first thing is because you deal with tech but you've been able to work remotely pretty much po- pre-pandemic as well correct yeah yep i have been working from home now for three years yeah yeah so i mean it's it's gonna be interesting uh, my, my first thing would be like so you are though working with people that are working 
in their homes or working in the offices? Yeah, oh, it's always remotely. So mostly it's people at my, recently it's obviously been people at home, but sometimes it's people in the offices and stuff too, yeah. Um, we do that every once in a while. We'll have like a conference call where I'm sitting here in my, you know, office or whatever, and they have the people like sitting around a conference table, but that was before all this stuff. It hasn't happened in quite a while. Okay, so I think that this, you. so the thing is, you've already had your head in that space for a while now, where it's like that liberation from the physical environment, but do you, like the first question is, do you see us kind of converging more to that online operations of, of, of work? Do you see that shifting, and by how much? Uh, so I think that it's going to be, I think for a while, at least until we get past the point where, because I mean, I think everybody's like, I think the mindset is that, you know, we're going to get our vaccine and then this is just going to go away. Um, but that's not what's going to happen. Like, we're going to, this is basically, it's going to be like the flu shot, even though COVID wasn't the flu. You're going to mm-hmm. have to get this every single year. But until we get to the point where everybody's at least been vaccinated once and can we can get rid of the masks, we're going to be staying in the same, right? After that, I think that it's going to be like a combination of stuff. It's going to take a long time, and I'm talking like a decade, uh, for things to get back to where they were before the pandemic. Because I think eventually we'll slowly transition to the point where people will go back into the offices as a you know like a main like their main way of working. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there will be some kind of I, there probably will be more telecommuting and stuff than there was before, and that stuff will be permanent. But I think a lot of places uh, will eventually try to transition back into in-person work because, yes, you can be productive. I, I think psychologically and stuff, you can be you can you can be productive working on your own and working, uh, you know, seeing people through a t- you know webcam or whatever through Zoom. You you we've shown over the last year that we can do. The world's business in that way but i think that i mean and there'll probably be studies upon studies you know studying this kind of stuff but i think that we'll find that people are actually at least in some professions or whatever they're more productive when they can actually see people like in person um so i think that there will be some telecommuting but eventually a lot of uh places Probably, probably, I'm gonna say this: more, more of the companies and stuff that deal with stuff outside of the tech sphere, like so, like Google and Microsoft and Apple or whatever. I think uh, companies like that will spend, will be able to have more people telecommute, and it'll be just fine because I mean they probably were doing quite a bit of that beforehand, and it was possible. And most of their stuff is done right in front of the computer, anyways. But the the companies and stuff like that who deal with um, I don't know. I don't even have a really good example, but uh, where it's more important to interact between, you know, and you know, physically and stuff. I think that that stuff will slowly transition back into the way it was before. And I'm not. I'm talking like restaurants or stuff. I'm talking more like um, like offices. Office. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. office stuff where you actually work with like and physically other people, and you have to work with other people. Like it's not just you're typing stuff on a a keyboard. Um, yeah, so that that brings up like a a question on like so I I will tell you that um you know if you look at a lot of the white collar office jobs the real 
engagement with people is like yeah meetings right i mean other than that you're just like going downtown to to like work on something on a computer that's not in your house right and um i, I it was funny because i was watching a special the other day and, and they were just talking about just like various knowledgeable people that are dealing with this kind of psychological and productivity impacts and one thing that came out was that the one one prof was saying look look man um we know very well that the productivity at home um, isn't as good as what it would normally be at work. And I was thinking, well, how does that make sense? Because I know that when I'm at work, I have like random people knocking on my doors. I have like casual people going, hey, Vince, what's up? Or like, you know, in, uh, unforeseen things happen. Also, I've got like, you know, back and forth, I got probably two hours worth of commuting, right? So I was like, how is it possible that I'm not as productive? And then the guy was, the prof was saying, look, um, we know that when you're in a meeting, you're probably doing like two other things. Like you're probably like on the web browsing for like your new Amazon gear, or maybe you're you're just basically doing the job that was at hand and you're still in the meeting, right? So your attention's split and therefore your productivity's gone. So I, I think that there's one thing about like regular white collar work that's gonna be kind of changed, but I think that inevitably, you know, it's not just the productivity, it's also the kind of social engagement. Like Matt, I don't know how you've been able to survive and maybe it's because you you were you've been doing this for a while, and maybe because you you're saying that you're like in a small town, so you know it's it's more onto yourself. But man, I can't imagine like certain jobs like I teach, right? Teaching sucks remotely, and you're saying like you know like years from now we're gonna see the studies. I'm worried that uh, years from now we're gonna say like okay, these kids were the generation that like education uh, passed them over, right? Like we're going to have a generation of doctors that's like, you know, now everyone's like, oh, I don't want to get my COVID shot because they rushed it. I'm pretty sure like 20 years from now, people are like, oh, I don't want a doctor that was uh, in medical school uh, during the pandemic because that guy just kind of like it was a pass fail grade or like, you know, it was kind of sketchy yeah. assessments. And, and I also look at my own kids, right? Like my kid, um, you know, the, the teacher and like they're an element, my, two of my kids, well, one's in elementary school, one's in preschool, one's going to university. Um, the university one, I mean, there's a whole bunch of slew of social problems because, you know, high school is already a social anxious place. But, you know, compound that with the fact that you're on online and like, you know, cyberbullying and like, you know, the, the, the kind of issues that are fraught with being a teenager and graduation online, like all the crazy stuff. I can't imagine that being fun. And, and, so, and we know social engagement in education is huge. But then I look at my own daughter, my middle daughter, and she's in elementary school and she's even losing it. She's like, I wish I could play with my friends. I wish I could do this. And, you know, it's weird because now her engagement with people is via screen and it's weird. I'm watching her and uh, I've observed that she will at some point, I, I swear to God, she talks to me on the screen like because I'm, I'm, I'm not always there. Uh, I talk to her on screen and I'm not even joking, Matt. I feel like sometimes she's going to say, uh, click like and subscribe at the end of her talks with me because she talks to me like it's a YouTube video. And I was like, make sure you smash that like button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm just like, what's up with this kid? Like, who is this kid? Right. And then so so the social engagement is really critical. And I think that's going to be missing. And and to me, I think that like, let's come back to the physical nature of, of work. Right. Um, we obviously know that uh, factories and, and grocery stores, those guys are going to sell to work, right? Because inevitably we don't have to do that, right? You can only Amazon so much. But I'm wondering about like we were talking about offices and, and certainly a lot of that or a certain percentage of it could be allayed to work from home. I'm not so sure about education. I think that we're going to realize very soon that that's going to have huge detrimental effects. I think any longer than one year, uh, we're going to have some problems. 
Um, and that's going to be interesting because the, as we saw with the variants, the variants now are actually lowering the ages of getting sick. So, you know, where in the first generation of pandemic, it was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. The kids are not going to get sick. So it's okay. They can all go to school. Now it's like, no, no, we got like in, in, uh, Ontario, we just had a 13 year old girl die. Right. Uh, yes, it's from, from pandemic. Yeah. So, so the variants are kind of going younger and younger. So clearly we're going to look at, fa- we're going to face the music where like kids will not be going to school possibly. Right. And then I go, well, how about more recreational leisurely things? Like, honestly, Matt, will you see restaurants being present still in the future? Yeah, I think so. Because that stuff's ever uh, – it's, it's going to take a while because a lot of them went out of business, right? But I think of, I think as soon as we can get to the point where we are reached that herd immunity or whatever they're talking about, I think that, yeah, that stuff will slowly come back. It'll take a long time, but – I think it's ingrained in human nature for that kind of stuff to exist. I mean, there's people like to go out and socialize at bars and stuff like that. It's just, it's just going to happen, right? It, but it's going to take a while for people to trust it. I think that's really going to be the the biggest part. It, we're we're going to have to get it's the trust we have in being around other people, right? Like when the pandemic first started, we always looked at people who had masks on as like, if they're really dumb, like like. Like paranoid, yeah, super paranoid. Right. Yep. And then that slowly, as we realized, like, oh shit, this is real. Like, <laughs> you know, this is real shit. Like, this is movie, mm-hmm. end of the world, apocalyptic kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it transitioned to like where if you saw someone without a mask, you're like, oh goodness, I'm gonna stay as far away from that weirdo as possible. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to get sick. Yeah. I I think slowly, eventually, we'll get back to the point where it's you know, where we, once we can take the mask off and stuff, we'll be able to slowly regain that trust of being around other people where whether they're wearing a mask or not it's gonna you know we're gonna feel okay because you know we've been, we've had a vaccine we've you know we've had experience of getting the vaccine a couple times because i was like i mean everybody was like so shocked when they said that they were gonna have to have like a third shot or whatever you know, like mm-hmm. this is gonna have to be this is gonna be something we're gonna have every year we're gonna yep. have to have a shot every year Otherwise, we'll be right back where we were. And I, I think people have gotten so excited with, oh, we're gonna have a vaccine that's just gonna go away. But no, um, I, like I said, once we've gotten into that cycle of, you know, everybody's getting vac- vaccinated and it's not gonna be a big deal, uh, mm-hmm. they'll regain that trust. Um, but you're talking about Vince with school and stuff. Yep. What I and and productivity and stuff at home. If I had asked you what you thought the biggest uh, hardship of transitioning between high school and college was, what would you say it was, right? What would you think it was? Um, dude, I studied architecture, so that's a little bit rough because we had to be physically in, in like making models and stuff. So it's, it's a little tricky, but I would say maybe the social thing just to get to know people. All right, um, so, so if I, if I, if you had to answer my question back when I went to, in, to university in 2004, the biggest trans- hardship I had between transitioning between high school and college was time management. Because in col- in high school, you go to school at 7.30 in the morning. You're in school until 3.30 in the afternoon. You go to one class right after another. You have no – Yeah, no you have no – your time is managed for you, right? Once you go to college, you have to manage all of your own time. You schedule your own classes. Oftentimes, you have like maybe two classes a day, and you're left with all this other free time and stuff. And it's really hard to manage your time to not only do homework but also manage the fact that you probably have a job now and all these things, right? Yep, uh, and that's been that's been the problem between transitioning between high school and college for, you know, forever, right? The whole being at home 
and having to do college takes that hardship uh, uh, an entire step further because not only are you having to manage your time for you know doing classes and stuff online, but you also are sitting in front of your YouTube machine all yeah. day long. Right, and your Amazon machine, like, like you're sitting in front of a web browser that can literally take you to as much porn as you want, mm-hmm. you know. So, you're if we thought having to transition between high school and college was hard when you know they actually had to go to class, like actually sit in a lecture hall and take notes and whatever, it's a hundred times harder when you're sitting in front of a machine that is mostly meant to distract you nowadays. Yeah. And that goes for not only like education, but also for people who are working in like you know after they've graduated, and, like they're working in an office and doing meetings and stuff like that. They've got they went from being in an office where you had to be to work at seven thirty. You maybe took a couple breaks throughout the day, but you you, you had you had a schedule. You were going to board room A, board room B, or whatever, and you're whatever. You know you had this this set structure that you probably went through every single day, and you had to get up and walk to this place. And instead, you're just sitting in front of a computer all day, and you have that lack of structure was is the biggest problem. I think that right there is the reason why a lot of places are going to prefer the in-person thing because it's going to bring that structure back to the workday. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that's important to keep in mind. I just don't know if people, uh, sorry, not people, if, if organizations are going to concede to that because, like for example, I work at a university. And, you know, it's it's May right now, and a lot of students got offers, and they're asking, hey, do I have to come and move into Toronto? Do I have to get residence? Do I have to – like, they have to make decisions. And the university has to make the decision, and the university is not going to be like, yeah, yeah, screw the laws of the land. We want you guys to come in and do all that stuff. They have to they're, – they're beholden to that, right? And despite what we both know as really important where kids need that – uh, regular schedule or they need the kind of engagement they were talking about or I would argue they also need the physical resources like I mean you can't like if you were doing acting or if you were doing like uh, theater or or architecture or something where you need specific labs or facilities you need to do that like like think about the nursing folks like if they, how are you going to study nursing without actually having to deal with people like I got that right now going on right so mm-hmm. I, I think that we've, we've got to really uh, balance it out but we're not going to just go, hey, students, hey, people, how do you feel? I think there's going to be a certain leeway, but it's going to be within a kind of umbrella blanket set of rules that, that any institution's got to be, you know, uh, follow, right? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before. The two, we've done two episodes now on COVID throughout the kind of spaced out. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've talked about both times is that there's so many aspects of the pandemic, of so many ways that this is going to affect things. I mean, there's We've talked about education. We've talked about going to work and not going to work. Uh, one of the really interesting things, I think, is that over the last year, the populations of a lot of big cities have gone down. People are yes. moving out of the cities. For the first time in about 70 years, the population mm-hmm. of cities are going down. And that's because you no longer have to live in the city to get to work. Yep. And I think that that's going to be another big thing that's going to happen is that the the city populations are just going to go down and people are going to be moving out. Because it's they can no, not only do they no longer have to go to work physically, but they also would have to. They also can't often afford to live in the yeah. cities. So, and and that's exactly what I was trying to get at. Because the some of the fallouts, like I, I can tell you right now, some of the fallouts that as an architecture prof, this is the stuff that I'm dealing with. Where it's like, 
this will cause people to not only, you know, great flight out of the urban course, but then what happens to that space? Do we have an entire real property kind of landslide, right? Like we saw in 2008, or are we going to see like, hey, guess what? Property owners are going to be like, look, we can now optimize this and address this by, sure, we might not be able to sell like $600 a square foot office space, but guess what? We got $400 a square foot residential space, right? That might be worthwhile. Makes it a little bit more affordable to certain populations that wouldn't otherwise have been there, right? Otherwise, it's just a renting economy, right? And then the other part is like, then by having more people living in the urban downtown core, maybe that instead of having like, you know, because we know that the problem with downtown core is that over the weekends, nothing happens except for at night when it's like maybe nightclubs. But then it, like the business districts, they're dead at the weekends, right? So the, the whole thing is that you want to inject more life in it. So by having more residential, like that's affordable. So it's not just rich people speculating on condos or something. You actually got people really living in there. It becomes more livable cities, right? We also realize that people aren't going to be commuting from this, like from the the kind of suburbs into the downtown core. They're actually walking, right? And they're just like casually kind of invest in the kind of infrastructure that's available to the city. That's the stuff that we're looking at at a, at a good way. But then I had a couple of questions from you from a technical standpoint because this is all talking about being in the uh, kind of domestic level. But one thing that struck me was, and maybe this is not just domestic, but um, I, I saw. I thought it was interesting. I saw um, in in England what they were doing was that uh, they actually had a bunch of teenagers, and they all got vaccinated because you know in BC, uh, no, in in UK they did that. Uh, so they had a bunch of them, and they said, "Hey, teenagers, you guys haven't been out for a while. You are right." And then basically they said, "Yeah, have a have a concert, have a rave." And the government basically uh, subsidized a rave or a big party for all these teenagers that had vaccinated, right? Um, and then at first you're like, okay, they, they incentivize getting vaccinated so that you can go to this concert, right? But then it was like, oh, no, no, it's part of a study too because if you guys don't, after this thing, because you guys are all vaccinated, right? If you guys are all vaccinated and then like we find out there's a second wave because of this, then we know to clamp down or something, right? So the thing was, at that point, I was like, okay, are they, what are they doing to prove that? So my question for you is, do you see as we move forward this need for some ubiquitous uh, pandemic precautions, whether it's everyone has to have a cell phone that has a valid validated uh, vaccination stamp. Like, you know, we talk about COVID or pandemic passports, right? Um, to like make sure that, hey, when I go into a Walgreens or something, hey, it's not too packed, I'm okay. I'm allowed in, right? I'm not an anti-vaxxer or whatever, right? The second thing is, you know, we saw like 20 years ago, if, if you had um, weird Bluetooth pieces in your ear, you'd look like a laughing stock. You'd look like this weirdo, right? And you'd be talking to yourself like you had dementia, right? Nowadays, it's not uncommon to find people wearing Bluetooth earbuds and talking to themselves. And that's kind of commonplace. So, A, do you see the kind of population um, adopting more of these kind of tech-based passports to improve your value? And then the second part is, do you see that becoming as ubiquitous as some of the stuff that we now see that you know, 10, 20 years ago, we, we would have thought was ridiculous. Yeah, okay, so there's a thing behind this. So my answer to this is yes, I think that worldwide, the vaccine passports and the technological versions of them will become very widespread. Um, in the rest of the world, uh, they're much more willing to do that kind of thing, especially like in the EU and Canada and stuff, and, and obviously in like, in in China, where they're not really going to have a choice. I mean, yeah, you know, in, in those places, 
It's just going to happen. I mean, in Canada and the EU, mo- more because I, people are more willing to do that stuff. And Japan, too, has always been very much more ahead of that kind of stuff in terms of, like, uh, paying wirelessly and stuff like that. So I, I think in the world, of, you know, worldwide, that stuff will come very uh, popular and, and maybe enforced. Here in the United States, <laughs> but uh, 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 we're very, uh, how would you say this nicely, anal retentive about freedom. Uh, if we see anything, the masks is a big thing. Like, basically, when they said we had to wear masks, there was half the people like, yeah, yep, that's a good idea. We don't want to die. The other half of them like, fuck off. I ain't going to wear a fucking mask. That's not, my freedom. You gotta take my freedom away from me, yeehaw! You know, and and it's gonna be the same thing with the vaccine passport, and we're already seeing it because a lot of places, like if you want to go to a football game or something, or basketball game or baseball or whatever, you have to have this little sheet of paper, right? And we haven't. You remember, we're 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 behind when it comes to technology stuff and a lot of this stuff for whatever reason. Uh, but you know, you get like a sheet of paper, or whatever that says you've been vaccinated, and a lot of places like. Baseball stadiums and stuff will require you to have one of these things, and already you're seeing people like, oh, that's you know, I don't want to have to do that. That takes away my freedom to do whatever I want in this country. Like we got a freedom of whatever, you know, and it's going to be a, a big, big fight. Um, and I mean, it's a stupid fight because I mean, I, you're not, your freedom is not being in, you know encroached at all by having to show this thing. Thing basically, what this is thing is saying is you know. You're not going to get the disease, and you're not going to pass it to somebody else. Yep. Uh, it's it's a, it's the seatbelt law, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they literally had to go through and make a law to tell people to, to wear their freaking seatbelts. And, and everybody can agree. I mean, like, there's no argument among scientists, physicists, anybody who says if, if you get a car crash – you're like a million times more likely to survive it if you're wearing a, a, a seatbelt. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's the same thing with with the mask. You know, the reason why people had a huge problem with the mask was because governors went through and said you want you have to wear masks, and they didn't go through the legislatures because most of the legislatures are ran by Republicans, and mm. Republicans don't care whether people die or live or die or not. I mean, that's I mean, it's horrible to say, but I mean, it's, it, it seems that way sometimes. Uh, but I mean, that's the big. I mean, the answer to your question is that worldwide. Yes. Here in the United States, we're going to fight about it uh, forever. Uh, half the people will probably do it, and half the other people will probably not do it. And it will depend on which state you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be really dumb, and the rest of the world could be looking at us like, hmm, those people are stupid. <laughs> so, so I guess so, – so that's the issue of – general ubiquity and just general capacity. But then here's my other question about this from, again, I want to understand how this can be implemented because to me, we know that passports and stuff can be forged and all that stuff. And it just dawned on me. I was like, you know, if we were really good about making an international kind of system of like, because it's hard to make a passport system. I don't know how how many decades or whatever it took to have a global standard policy on how passports are run, like how how is it that there's certain security features or that there's like certain passport codes that we all agreed on globally? I was wondering if maybe for the vaccine kind of thing, this is the one instance where I'm thinking the cryptocurrency, the Bitcoin model of like blockchains, that's where things could actually be useful, right? Because I know that like we're talking about NFTs and all those other fun things, but I was thinking, you know, it's hard to really pinpoint the value of Bitcoin or whatever, but 
the the value of the technology, which is the ability to have like across an entire blockchain to be able to say there's an accountability, to say that it's not forged, to say that it's legit. This is where I'd be like, yeah, you know what? This is perfect for just really quickly saying I don't have like just a forged pandemic passport on my yeah, phone. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but it's too complicated for most of the most people, I think. But no one has to see the how the sausage is made. I mean, you just have to say like yeah. this is how it's done. And I, I mean, that that's the thing to, to me. It's it's not about the dollar value of Bitcoin. It's the actual technology that's at play. And yeah. The, the thing is that you, you want to make sure that there's a, a decentralized way of proving because then you know that a lot of people that are anti-vax will just be like, hey, mom, I want to see my Mississippi mud players uh, play football tonight. So I'm going to go and forge my forge my pandemic passport or something like that. Right. Like that's going to happen. And- it's already started. You can like you can go on eBay right now and buy a covid like uh, sheet or whatever that tells you what, that you've been vaccinated. You can buy one. It's like 40 Wait, bucks. Are you serious? Yeah, it's been on the news. Wait, like, how is that not like, booted off eBay? Like that's like that's like. Well, they're they're they're, try- they're like the attorneys general. The attorneys general are trying to get it so that they can go through, but it's not against the. Okay, so it it's very it's very weird. So the fact that you created the thing itself and forged it is not against the law. What's against the law is using a government seal. So like all these things have the CDC seal on them, and that's a mm-hmm. government institution here. So if what you're getting in trouble is not actually if you get if you get caught. I mean, you're not gonna get caught because I mean. <laughs> well, you got that kind of manpower, but uh, it, we, we, if you were to get caught, what you'd get in trouble for would be a, a felony offense for forging a government seal. That's literally all you'd – it has nothing to do with COVID at all. Um, it's the, the blockchain idea of events is a very good one, uh, but even that – the pro, like I said, worldwide, I think that would, that would fly because, uh, you know, people – I mean – I I know I'm an American. I don't like talking bad about my people, uh, but uh, we're very slow to adopt new technology because we feel like we have to know everything about it. Uh, it it's been that way forever. Like you'd always see. I mean, I always use Japan as the 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 example. That's like they had, you know, they had LTE before you know mm-hmm. we did. They had 5G before the rest. We did. We they had they had uh contactless payments and stuff before. And this has just been something that's happened for years. I mean, there was always the argument, well, you know what, they make everything over there, so of course they're going to get it first. But that's not really the case. It's just that for whatever reason, Americans feel like they have to know how everything works. And the minute uh, Lester Holt or whatever his name gets on the nightly news and says, you know, uh, you're going to we're going to be doing a passport, uh, vaccine passports with blockchain technology, and here's how it works, you're going to lose... 80% of the people because they have no clue how – And I understand they don't have to know, but once you've tried to explain something to somebody and they don't understand it, then they're going to get be much more leery of using it. But Plus you have to – Matt, Matt, just wait a sec because you're telling me like millions of people in America use cell phones. I'm pretty sure they couldn't tell you how cell, how, how cell phone signals work, right? I, I, I understand. Yeah, it's not general technology I'm really talking about. I'm talking about something specific like this because – because people don't force you to use a cell phone, Vince. You choose to use a cell phone. This, this blockchain thing that you're suggesting would be something that people would have to use. So, okay, okay. but, but I'm pretty forced... sure people don't know how the stock market works, but they buy stuff. They still are part right. of the general economy, right? Uh, again, that's a choice, right? And, and it's something you go out and learn about because, you want, hey, you want to – these other people are making lots of money. I've choose, chosen to go in and see if I can do the same. Mm. Uh, it, it, it's more like, you know what, here's something that you have to do. 
you have to use this. And once you tell somebody you have to do something, they're going to want to know, you know, how it works. And once you try to explain how something like, because you're not, I'm very technological. I understand how a lot of things, like I could tell you how a computer works down to the electron, you know, but I can't tell you, begin to even tell you how blockchain really works. Because I don't know that anybody really knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it feels like. Bill Mayer, Bill, watch the Bill Meyer uh, thing on, on blockchain, on Bitcoin. Just It's, it's kind of just dumbfoundingly stupid how he's just like, yeah, I understand. You might as well put it in unicorns. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, like, okay, so I know it has something to do with computer GPUs, and there are a lot of electricity, and yep. they're trying to go through and create something from nothing. They're matching numbers and stuff. I, I Like, I'm lost. <laughs> like, I don't know. And, and that's me. If you tried to explain it to my 80-year-old mother, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, yeah. she would have no clue. I mean, I mean she would, like what's a blockchain you know and even if you tried to explain it to her she wouldn't be able to understand i mean it's not, and that's not just her it's anybody i mean even somebody in their 20 or 30s may not be able to know or figure out how how it goes right so mm-hmm. i think that's a, i think that's a big deal but the idea behind the whole uh blockchain or the vaccine oh, passport i mean it's something that we ha- we're going to have to do i mean we we have to do this uh and and <laughs> it's just going to be pull, like pulling teeth here in the United States to get half the people to ever do it. Um, yeah. So, so, but, but then here, here's my other question because if we're talking about passports, let's come back to the notion of like the COVID post pandemic. So, I, I have kids. You've got elderly parents, and and you know we all have relatives and stuff. And uh, you know I'm not talking about international travel anymore. I'm talking about just like so we we know that after the pandemic. We, we know that, um, I'm not sure about your area, but in my area, I've never seen so many people walk the streets in Toronto. And the reason why is because they're just sequestered at home and there's, they're just like so loving the fact that I need to get out. I need to walk. Like they, t- they, they savor every step they get to walk on the sidewalk because it seems like they never got to go outside, right? Second thing is that when I look at my kids, um, they go to the parks. They are having a blast because guess what? They don't get to go to recess anymore with their friends at school. They they're pretty much locked down. At least in Canada, we're in Ontario, we're still locked down. So they 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 haven't seen their friends on the schoolyard in God knows how long. So I mean, we're talking about a whole bunch of changes in the post-pandemic world. Where like, are we going to see? Do you think that we're going to see a greater propensity of like activity on the physical stuff, outdoor activity? Like you see people like just carrying laptops and working outside on a park bench, like kind of like how in the old days you used to see an old man reading a newspaper on a park bench. And at the same time, um, you know, are we going to see stuff dramatically change where it's like, dude, when was the last time you drove a car? I, like, that's the thing. I, it was weird. When I drove my car, like I haven't driven it in like a week or so, I was driving on the road just trying to pick up some food for my parents. And I was like, oh my God, do I have a flat tire? Because I don't remember my car driving so bumpy. And I'm like, it's because I just haven't driven a car in so long that I forgot that Cars have bumpy rides, right? Like these roads have have bumps on them. So I, I just think that there's so many different changes that are going to happen in the physical world that are a direct response to this kind of craziness of the pandemic. Oh yeah, I think we're already seeing. I mean, the minute the vaccines and stuff started to come out, people decided that they were done with this, right? Like, um, the the minute the people started getting vaccinated, they were uh, even people who weren't getting vaccinated were like, you know. That means this is over, so we're going to go out and have a party. Like That's the reason why we saw that fourth spike here in the United States was because people got so happy that they were vaccinated and forgot that they didn't have the vaccine mm-hmm. and, and weren't protected. You know, So the, um, 
I really do think that we will see a lot of. Uh, I think oh, once, we, especially once we get to the point where like rational people can go out and stuff and do. I mean, because we just recently, within the last week, you're, you're saying uh, said you, if you're vaccinated, you can go outside without a mask. Yeah. And uh, we're going to see a lot of people now go out and into the world. I think also we'll start seeing once we get to the point where we can go indoors to other places like restaurants and stuff, we'll see that kind of stuff, at least for a while, to have a huge uptick. Yeah. Especially like gym memberships, I think are going to go like absolutely bonkers once they can open up without masks. Really? You think I so? I think so. Because I mean, people are so sick from work, working at home. They just yeah, want to get out of the house. I don't know, man. Like, see, I found that during the pandemic, I've been working out at home. I found like how to work, how to do like home workouts. And I'm like, wait, I used to pay money to do this stuff in a separate gym and have to get changed in like a rant, like a jail showers kind of thing. So I was like, forget that. I'm, well, I'm, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know whether or not that uptick in gym memberships will last for very long, but I think that for a while, like a few months or at least, maybe, you know, whatever, j- just. To begin with, people will say, "You want to? Oh, I just want to get out of the house and do something with other people for a little while." I think uh, eventually the novelty of being able to walk down the sidewalk or go to the park or whatever will go away, and it'll just become something we take for granted again. Uh, but until that point, I think that yeah, we'll. I think we really will see a lot of people. I mean, not everybody, but I mean, a lot of people just say, "You want to? Sure, I'll pay ten dollars a month or whatever to go to Planet Fitness." Hmm. You know? So, so I, we're talking about recreational stuff, and I, I don't want to kind of uh, talk more than we have to, but I just have one question for you would be, we always talk a lot about entertainment stuff, like movies, comics, and all that stuff, right? The consumable media, right? So my question to you would be, I'm going to respond first, but the question would be, what do you see as the major change in how we consume entertainment? And I'm going to take the easy route and say, that the biggest thing I'm going to point out is we're going to find that streaming has now cemented itself in the future. And we talked about this in an earlier podcast about the pandemic and stuff, but I'll be honest with you. Like the, the, the movie industry is bleeding and movie theaters. Uh, I don't know how people are going to be like, yo, let's go to the movie theater because it's effectively going to a box for a couple hours uh, and breathing the same air as other people when you could otherwise have seen that at a friend's house or whatever. Right. So they, they kind of, uh, notion of big sound, big screen, all that, big, you know, all that stuff. That's one thing, but I honestly see that streaming now has effectively been made the de facto platform for consuming media um, it, because of the pandemic, right? So, so that's my biggest takeaway from leaving the pandemic is that recreation, at least consuming of like music, like I mean, let's look, man. Over the last year, I've got. I actually got a legit Spotify account, Netflix account, Amazon Prime, um, uh, Disney Plus. Um, I don't know what other random streaming things am I doing. So I've gone and done all these things now in light of the pandemic, and I will not likely shift from that. I don't think I'm going to drop my Spotify, Netflix, or Disney Plus subscriptions. I'm going to keep them. Certainly, I'm not going to lose my Amazon Plus subscription, right? So I, I don't see anything. I think that's a huge, huge takeaway from at least our perspective with tech, you know, sorry, T3, you know, uh, sorry, 3Cast. Sorry, somebody, <laughs> yeah, we well. changed the name, man. We got to change yeah. the name again. So, but, yeah. but like, yeah, since we're dealing with like, you know, we deal a lot with entertainment, right? Like, you know, whether it's talking about Bond movies or like comic books or whatever. I mean, like I was just reading books on Kindle with my daughter, right? Because of course, uh, you know, she's remote. So I don't see consuming movies, books, music, 
um, the same as I would have in the past now. Oh, yeah. It's definitely changed, Vince. And, but for more than one reason, not only is it more convenient to, you know, it's it's more convenient, more intimate to watch a movie amongst friends in a house than it is to go to a movie theater. But also, places like Disney and stuff like that have realized that not only can they charge you 7 or $8 a month or $12 a month or whatever, uh, they're also going to be able to charge you like 30 or $40 uh, to watch a movie. Yeah. But they have yet to see that success. You know, I mean, like HBO did the whole thing with yeah. the Justice League and Wonder Woman, I think, or whatever. They charged and, too. They charged too much. Like they, yeah, they, they, but, they came out of the boat a little bit too hot and decided to charge too much money. But once they realized that you want, hey, you want, maybe we can charge fifteen dollars for a movie, like the cost yeah. of a good movie ticket. I mean, that's just going to be the way things are. I mean, like I said, they, Disney. For, what was it? Mulan with the. Yep, Mulan tried. They tried and it failed because they charged like thirty bucks. That's crazy. Yeah, it was like it was like thirty dollars on top of your subscription. Yeah. Like that was too much. But if that had been fifteen, that would have been a success. Yeah, listen. I mean, almost, I, I, almost, I, sorry, go ahead. I was just like almost guaranteed it would have been a success because I mean people pay fifteen bucks to go see I, in IMAX, right? Absolutely. So, so the thing is, my daughter is, as you know, I'm, I'm Asian, and my, my daughter's half Asian too, and so she's like, she, her favorite Disney movie is Mulan, right? So when that movie was about to come, I was like, oh, it's going to be so amazing, and I was like, oh, crap. And then it came on Disney+, Plus, and then she was like, so are we going to pay for it? And I was like, mm, no. And then I felt like such a jerk dad, so I was like, okay, maybe the next time, knowing full well that they're not going to make a Mulan too, but I was like, yeah, I'll take you to movie theater then. And then, of course, the next thing Disney does is they release... Uh, Raya, do you see that movie? That's the one about the dragon, right? Yeah, Raya the Dragon. So it's again another Asian princessy movie with Disney, and I'm like, come on, Disney, what are you doing to me, right? And my daughter's like, hey, dad, it's a dragon, and it's like it, it's like Chinese or something. And I'm like, oh no, man. So I, I would love to be able to embark on taking to these kind of things, but I'm thinking now, if if they charge, if it was a ten buck thing, I'd be like, yeah, I could just sit down, you know, put my daughter to bed, you know, just all snuggled up, and we could just watch the movie together, grab a bucket of popcorn. That would be amazing, right? But that's the thing. We're not likely going to be seeing the same numbers um, for movie theaters. Um, maybe maybe right after the pandemic, people are going to be like, as a bounce back, people are going to be going to theaters. But I think that's just going to be like a very short-lived thing because then after that, after that big bounce back, I think it's going to drop back to like, you know – this kind of middling number now where we're normally, you know, yeah. we're not going to see a lot of those billion dollar weekend openings, right? Like oh, yeah. The I don't, stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, I, or at least I think the way they, way they count that stuff is going to, is going to, because like Warner brothers and Disney, that they are going to be releasing their movies and stuff day and date between theaters and their streaming services. You just know they're going to, yeah. Like, like they almost have to nowadays because, First of all, the vast majority of theater chains are gone. I mean, they've already filed for bankruptcy. They're just not going to come back. Yeah. Um, you know, and the ones that are still there, I mean, we talked about that trust people have amongst each other. The only people who are going to be going to a movie theater like right away are going to be the people who have that who, who don't need that trust. They vote, you know, those are the people that didn't wear masks through the whole thing yeah. or, you know, thought it was a hoax or whatever, or the people just don't care. You know, they're very brave. That's one way to look at it, right? Uh, but, I mean, the vast majority of people, I think, are going to be very, very, very – especially with movie theaters. Because, like you said, I mean, it's just like a, a little room, and you're in all, and they're breathing the same stuff. And, yeah, it's it, – I, I don't I, – I know I was very optimistic earlier about, like, restaurants and stuff coming back. And I think I'm still that way. But for, <laughs> movie, for movie theater – I mean, because there's not an alternative to a restaurant. Like, yes, you can go through and have, you know, dinner with friends. But you got to cook. You know I mean? Nobody wants to cook. You know, 
or they you know, and delivery is just not really the same. That is, there's the social aspect to it, but with movie theaters, there's a really, really good alternative. And uh, yes, the screen at the movie theater might be bigger, but you have a really good TV at home. It's like 70 inches or whatever, and yeah. OLED and whatever. Plus, you know, you can get a pop, uh, you know, a whole box of popcorn for like a fraction, you know, like a dollar or something like that. Yeah. You don't have to spend thirteen dollars for a thing, and you can get unlimited refills and all that stuff without having to pay out your nose. It's just, you know, it's just there's no chance of the theater industry just coming back. Even if the COVID stuff just goes away, you know, or we, you know, or we manage to solve it and everybody gets vaccinated and stuff, that just, I don't think it's ever going to come back. Yeah, yeah. So there's clearly a whole bunch of ramifications there. Yeah, yeah it's just, it affects everything, right? <laughs> yeah. So I just like again, like we we talked earlier about the, um, you know, pandemic and education, all the other things, but it's just like. I was just trying to figure out the new world after it, and it's just I thought it would be worth talking to someone about it because there's so many questions as to what's going on. And I see it from a very fixed lens, like architecture, but um, obviously it's kind of interconnected with everything else. And uh, you know, whether it's like offices becoming residences or the what what becomes of the AMCs of the world, right? Um, like there are all these questions about space, but then there's also questions about like just like social engagement and and like, you know just whether it's the like logistics of getting people across borders or just like what do you do for fun now that everyone's doing it at home? Well, I mean, then we didn't even get into the whole everybody's buying a computer thing, chip shortage, and I mean, there's just I mean, like I said, there's Dude, just affecting I, everything, right? You know what's crazy? It's it, the pandemic. You know what's craziest for me as an architecture prof? Did you know that the price of wood has just like crazy astronomically gone up in price in the last year. Anything to do with with trees and stuff like that, um, cardboard and stuff. Like if you just watch the price of cereal in the next few months, it's gonna double. Is what they're saying is is the price because they can't get the cardboard boxes. Like anything with to do with paper pulp or uh, like uh, plywood and stuff. Yeah, I noticed that it was <laughs> yeah. not good. Um, yeah. And on top of that, we're gonna be paying five dollars a gallon for gas. Um, yeah, yeah, but the thing is, that's not a big issue to me because I don't remember. Like honestly, I think the last time I filled up my gas tank might have been like in February. That's how few, like that's how little I drive now, right? Yeah, yeah that definitely is going to change here because every time I've gone out uh, lately, like to go to the grocery store, or whatever, I've noticed traffic is just insanely bad. Like, oh, I, and I and I live in like a, like a podunk town, mm. uh, and it's all of a sudden looking like it's you know. A big city because like, everybody's out and about, and they're really? all driving and stuff. And like, there's a reason why um, gas has already gone up to three dollars a gallon. It's continues to go up. So, oh, nuts. Yeah. Anyhow. Anyways, yeah. So uh, that's uh, uh, it for this time. Uh, our next episode, I'm not sure when it's going to be. We're going to be watching a movie called Lord of War. Um, and it's my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. Oh, is this the word he was a weapon stealer? Yeah. Okay. Have um, we watched this one already? If we have, it's been ages, and I don't remember. I don't think we have. I wouldn't know this otherwise. Like, I don't... <laughs> I think we talked... I don't know. We'll have to talk... Maybe that won't be our next thing. Maybe we have already done it, but I, I don't think we have. Okay, I could be wrong, but I just know that I would not... Other than National Treasure, I wouldn't know Jack about Nicolas Cage movies. You know that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> Anyways, we're going to do something the next time. Uh, probably towards the end of May. Thanks for everybody for watching. Uh, contact us at Freecast on Twitter. We'll see you next time. Take care.